You're listening to City Beat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Janine. Today on the show, we have Sally Shepardson of Bubbler Bikes. Sally will explain to us why bike sharing matters, what goes into actually operating a bike sharing system, and what the future looks like for Bubbler. Don't touch that dial, close that app, or hit mute. We'll be right back. Sally Shepardson, welcome to City Beat. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. So explain to the general public how bike sharing works. Okay, bike sharing is an easy uh, concept. You pick up a bike, you're either a member, and then you can just go and grab a bike with your membership fob, or you walk up to our kiosk and you interact with the kiosk and a credit card and you take a bike out. It's um, The fees are usually about increments and so you could take a bike out if you're a member up to an hour unlimited rides or if you're just walking up um, there's some different pricing structures that you can select and when we talk about different pricing structures it's all short-term rental right yeah the bikes um, themselves are not particularly built for long bike trips they're 40 pounds they're really they're really um, safe and sturdy but they're built to take you to work to take you out to eat, to take you to school. So most of our riders uh, ride maybe a half an hour tops. Okay, and they're going from dock to dock, right? They're... They are. You can take it out from uh, the news station in River West and near Company Brewing, and you can go downtown and leave it in the Third Ward station, and then you can pick it up again and take it wherever you want. And you don't have to come back. You, you do not. That, that to me is always interested about <clears throat> bike sharing is I take a lot of one-way trips in my life. I took the bus here. I'm actually probably going to take bubbler bikes back to my office because it's downhill and that sounds appealing. <laughs> but I think that's one of the things I think people miss when they think about how bubbler can work with other systems. Uh, you have a partnership with MCTS, that's correct, right? Yes, we do. And how does that work? That's pretty cool. 80% of our stations are co-located with bus stops. So we decided it would be a really great for the users of both of the forms of transit to have an integrated card. So you can get your M card, um, which most of us have, and then you can call us or email us and um, you can ask for what we call, isn't this clever, Jeremy, wait for it, <laughs> Bustler, the Bustler card. And uh, we will send you our Bubbler membership and you simply Simply affix it to the back of your M card, and then when you hop on the bus using one side of the card, and you hop off the bus and get on a bubbler using the other side. And the bikes are all made by a Wisconsin Track. company, right? Track, yeah. And, and how much does that matter that they are a Wisconsin company? Well, it matters to us. Um, we're a, a small, local Wisconsin nonprofit, so it meant a lot for us to support um, the economy in Wisconsin. But it also means that we have best in class. If you've been in the other cities and you've ridden other bikes, there are hardly any that are as well-built as the Trek uh, bikes are. And how many bikes does Bubbler have? How many stations are there? There are 87 stations throughout our whole system. Now, remember, that includes Milwaukee, but it also includes Shorewood, West Dallas, and Tosa. And we have about 700 bikes. And 700. So and all those bikes are always out in service, or are there some that are getting maintained? Every 28 days, we pull the bike in and do a once-over for maintenance. But 
pretty much um, all those bikes are out in the system. During the winter months, yes, we operate throughout the year. Jeremy knows he rides all year round. We will pull back some of the bikes because not everybody does ride all year round. Okay, so if I see the docks and they look a bit empty in the winter, that's strategic. It's intentional. Yeah, we don't have to have the bikes out there getting the, the snow and the salt. But we stay open in Milwaukee all year round for our climate zone. That's kind of rare. And tell me a bit about your role at Bubbler. I don't think they hired you to fix flat tires. They didn't, but I do, but they didn't. It, that's actually a really great question, Jeremy. When Bubbler started way back when, four or five years ago, it was a launch. And we had all this great community support. And we're a nonprofit. I can't, I'm probably going to say that a hundred times talking to you because a lot of cool things happened during the launch. Um, our visibility went through the roof. The affinity for Bubbler went through the roof. The funness of Bubbler, understanding how bike share works. The only miss was that we're a .org. We're a nonprofit. Uh, people think of that we're entrepreneurs, which we kind of are, but you know, venture capitalists, which we're definitely not, or run by the city. And those are all other bike share models. There are bike share companies across the country that are run that way, but Bubbler's intentionally um, a nonprofit. And so when the launch director left, um, they were looking for a nonprofit person, and that's me. Uh, my whole history, my whole background is helping small grassroots nonprofits become sustainable and remain sustainable, and that's what they brought me on to do. And what does sustainability look like for Bubbler? we got to keep the lights on, Jeremy. <laughs> it really means two things. Definitely means sustainability, and for public transit, that's a tricky thing. I mean, if we were to charge, just like the bus or the train, if we were to charge uh, what it costs to operate our system, nobody would ride it because it would be too expensive. So we need to find other ways other than user revenue to uh, float the boat. And that's, in our case, uh, philanthropy. You're about to embark on a fairly large expansion. It's mm -hmm. not the first time this has happened, but I see the city is really the driver, and it's because they have a federal grant. Explain to me the distinction between we are Bubbler, the nonprofit, but the city has this federal grant. How does that work? Yeah, that's that's the key, and most people don't understand this. I mean, I every single day I get calls or emails or texts or people come in and they'll say, I'd like a Bubbler in my neighborhood, or I'd like a Bubbler, you know, in front of my business. And the fact of it is that 90% of the stations are not stations that Bubbler cited. They're there's stations that were funded through federal grants that are meant to either clean the air, carbon emissions, reduce carbon emissions, or to provide alternate transportation, both of which uh, bike share qualifies for. So the municipalities, in the case of Milwaukee, they went for the carbon reduction federal grant, and that allows them to purchase the stations and the, and the bikes. And in fact, the city cites them. The city makes the decision of where they're cited. I can't say that enough. The city makes the decision of where they're cited. And uh, is, is that a political choice or is that in law? That is that is part of the grant. Uh, we can certainly um, comment, but we are the operator. We don't even own it. We, the city owns the, the bikes in the stations, but we operate them. After a year, we're allowed if to consider moving them and suggesting that they be moved. Maybe they, maybe there was a mistake made um, in that nobody's really using that station. Then we're not going to just let it sit there forever. So then the city will listen to us and, and we will move it. In the suburbs, all three of those suburbs um, that I mentioned, their funding came from also a federal grant, but it was for um, alternative transportation grant. But it has the same parameters, same exact thing. The cities cite them, we operate them, and then we look back after a year and see how, how they're performing. 
So we have to stay sustainable as a nonprofit so that we can continue operating Bubbler. Um, we maintain them all, as you mentioned, that's on us. In terms of the bikes going back and forth, just to make sure that Jeremy always has a bike when he needs one and that he has a dock, uh, empty dock when he needs one, we have to have teams of people out there that are um, always balancing the system and making sure that our customer service is top notch. Well, that, that's a good question I have, because I think Joe Smith, Joe Public, probably has this idea that they see the bikes, they see the website, you just go to this kiosk, you enter your credit card. It seems like there's no actual humans involved in this. Mm-hmm. How many people are actually involved in making Bubbler work? Okay, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah, there is a lot of technology. We should say that for sure. There's a computer inside the kiosk that talks to the dock, and there's an RFI reader that talks to the bike. So they are, it is all infrastructure, it's all technology driven, but at the end of the day, it's beaming back into our shop, and it's telling us what's happening in the system, and if we see that uh, there's no, there's almost no bikes, there's only one bike left at a certain station, it's two guys in a van, Jeremy, who go out and, you know, make and fix that. So the te- it goes from high tech to super low tech. On our team, um, for the permanent staff, there's just five or six people. In the summer, we'll hire seasonal help to help us with a, a ridership. Our greatest ridership goes from May through October. So during that time, we'll have seasonal help, but it's really a lean, mean core staff. And how many people are riding in that peak time? Or how many trips, I guess, are being taken? Oh, we'll have total of, last year we had a total of 90,000 trips, a little over 90,000 trips, and there'll be 20, 20, 30,000 happening. It's June, July, and August, and it's really July is our biggest month. And why July? Does, is, there, is it event-driven? Is it the end of Summerfest, or is it just the weather is so nice? Yeah, we, definitely. There's a, there are a few things we can control, and there's a lot of things we can't control in bike share. I can't control the weather. So our top months in here in the greater Milwaukee area for outdoor anything is the is May, June, July, and August and September. Um, April and and November, Octoberish can be our shoulder month, so to speak. It depends. Like this past April was terrible. You know, it was it was unusually cold, and I can't control that. But uh, but you can count on those key months in the in the summer. There are events. Summerfest is a is a big one where people have figured out it's so smart to. Uh, leave your car at home, or if you're coming in from the suburbs, park way out for free and ride a bubbler down. So certainly that really bumps up our, our ridership. But it's uh, it's only one of the drivers. People just um, just ride bubblers more in the in the summer. We also have tourists, and we track our ridership by your zip code, and the number of tourists uh, far outnumber our um, number of members during the summer who are That's riding. interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And do you find, do you have data that shows, are they riding basically in a circle and coming back to the station of Discovery World, or are they using it point to point like the system's intended? They use it point to point, but uh, during the fest, it can be destination. Yeah. During the, uh, during the fest, it's des- destination driven, where maybe you're picking it up at um, Trestle Park and you're riding it into the Discovery Station and you're leaving it there and you're picking it up at Discovery at 1130 or 12 at night and you're I know where you're going then, because we can track you. You're not going back home. You're going to Brady Street. <laughs> and that's where everybody goes. And so as we, because we're part of the local community and the fabric of the local community, and we've been around for a while, we know the patterns. So we make sure during festivals, for example, that certain stations are more or less empty, empty so they can take
traffic incoming. And then we know where you're going afterwards, so we empty those out so that um, we can get ahead of you and you have a place to um, take your bike at the, um, after, the, after the event. But in general, in the summer, people are, no, they're riding all over. Okay. Well, that actually flows right into something I wanted to talk about. There's this idea for MCTS, Milwaukee County Transit mm-hmm. System, that they providing service to Summerfest. You see these shuttles that are absolutely packed, so they should be making actual money there, and that should be subsidizing everything else. But what MCTS finds is that actually costs money because that bus has to turn around and go back empty. It sounds like you guys experience a bit of the same thing. Everyone wants to go to Summerfest to see the headliner. Mm-hmm. Then what do you do when all these bikes arrive? Yeah, well, we do something that we don't do any other time of the year. We do something that's not bike share at all. It's called corralling. And we do it as a favor to the city, and we do it as a favor to Summerfest. No one pays us to do this or extra. We beef up our staff, and so we have someone sitting down at our Discovery World station under a tent for 10 days from noon until 1 or 2 in the morning. One in the morning. And we take the bikes in. And as you're coming in, you're coming in, you're coming in, you're coming in. We corral them. And so you will see us at any given time, not only those 19 docks full, but you'll see 100 or 200 bikes on the lawn in front of Discovery World. And we we lock them up. We just keep bringing them, uh, keep lining them up and locking them up. Now, what that does is it's a convenience when you come out because your bike will be there, right? It's just not 19 people who can get a bike. It drains the system because now I have a couple hundred bikes sitting all day, you know, sitting for several hours on the lawn, but it's a courtesy that we do. I'm going to tell you a funny story, and this is a true story. We like funny stories on the podcast. Uh, all right, well, so I'm there, and it's like midnight, and everybody's pouring out, and I can pretty much do the math, you know, and you can look around, and you know how many bikes I have, about, and then you see the people flooding out, and they're all lining up at the kiosk, and you can pretty much tell not everybody's going to get a bike, even with corralling. It just isn't darn it's not going to happen and this young woman came up and she had a little shoulder bag and the way that i mentioned before how bike share can work you can if you're new to it or you're just doing it once in a while you're going to interact at the kiosk and do what's called single rides if you're a member you sign up online and you get you can use your phone or um cute little membership fob and you just walk right up to the dock and you take your bike out that's probably how you do it jeremy that is i have one in my pocket right now Uh, me too so she comes waltzing up and there's a big long line and everybody's getting a little antsy because everybody's doing the thing where they're looking around and they're going oh i don't know if i'm gonna get a bike and she just goes right up to the dock she swipes her membership card and she pulls her bike out and all the people in line are going hey hey you wait a minute she skipped the line wait she skipped the line i wish i'd had my phone on to capture this she whipped up her membership card and she went membership has its privileges and she hopped on that bubbler and she rode away and then you slid her a five (laughs) dollar bill and said thank you it really happened i couldn't recreate that (laughs) so we do do that for that's a courtesy that we do for the community um but it costs us money and uh, extra people time and extra time on the bi- uh, for the bikes. And I hear a lot of people talk about, well, Bubbler doesn't cover the entire city. I think there's practical reasons for that. Tell me why you shouldn't just place one station at 76th and Hampton. Oh, yeah. Bubbler, uh, bike share in general, is it only works when there's density. Um, it's not um, bike rental. It's, you know, like you go to a store and you rent a bike and you bring it back, toodle around and you bring it back. It's meant to have connectivity um, throughout the community um, so that you could go do stuff, go to school and go to work and go run an errand. And a lone station way out outside the system, just it just won't get used. You're not going to believe this, but the industry standard for density in bike share, and density uh, is just defined as 
um, driving uptake and ridership. You know, how close together do they have to be for the average person to be willing to get on a bike share bike? Doesn't even have to be bubbler. And it's, it's 1,500 feet. And when I first read that, I thought, that's the standard. It has nothing to do with the bikes. It has nothing to do with technology or, or the stations. It's human nature. It's our, it's our psychology. We almost want to see the next one. You know, we almost want to know, you know, like that one's just, oh, yeah, I see that little blue uh, uh, logo up there. So in terms of Milwaukee, we're nowhere near density the, the, at all. Shorewood has almost perfect density. Shorewood maybe doesn't need any more stations. They have almost perfect density. And is increasing that density something you're looking at, or does it matter to continue to expand the network incrementally? Well, that's a tricky question, Jeremy. I wish you hadn't asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will give you the, 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 the classic answer is that if we were not a nonprofit, and this is absolute truth, if I were a venture capitalist, I would be um, operating a system in the third ward downtown and on the lakefront. Okay, so you've just told me where the highest ridership stations are. Yeah, that's all I would do. I wouldn't need to do anymore because now I'm making money and I'm a happy girl. But and I and I have dense density um, because we're a nonprofit and we feel accountable to the community. We've tried um, to and successfully or not to get into neighborhoods. Some could argue we did it before we were before we might have leapfrogged. It would be better to do it concentrically. And a lot of the successful bike share um, programs in other large cities like New York and Chicago, that's what they did. They hung in there and they started in the central and they worked their way out and they took a lot of political heat for it because the neighborhoods are saying, where are you? Where are you? Hey, where are you, Divi? Where are you, city bikes? You're not in the neighborhoods, but they, they did it. The, they did their expansion in the classic way. Bubbler has tried to serve more than just the central city um, really right from off the bat. Serve Central City in your case, meaning downtown. Yeah, serve downtown. Sorry, uh, tr we, we tried doing that right off the bat, but it required a lot of philanthropy. And it also requires, you know, if you build it, not everybody comes, right? That isn't a given. And so we have to um, have a community engagement coordinator who can help people in the neighborhoods to understand why in the world would this be valuable to my life? What in the world is this blue bike going to do for me um, in my daily life? And to make people feel safe on a bike and feel welcome on the bubbler bike. So it takes a little bit more effort. And, um, and, and that's where um, being sustainable, I'm, I'm, my ridership fees and my sponsorships are not going to cover that. Interesting. And I, you guys do get a lot of, you mentioned that you started early. The, the housing authority, you have an interesting partnership with, where not only do you have stations and probably in areas that aren't the most profitable or even sustainable in terms of a broad scheme, but the memberships are cheaper for people that qualify, right? Yeah, we are the least expensive in the country. I've been with Bubbler two years and have gone to a lot of national conferences, and I, and I realize this. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. A normal, regular annual passes is $80 for unlimited 60-minute um, rides, and it's $8 a year for this pass that you're talking about. We call it the Access Pass. And, Jeremy, we, we started with the Housing Authority. So if you were a Housing Authority resident, you um, were eligible for this pass. Um, last year, I expanded it to anyone who is a resident of Housing Authority or a bigger pool, anyone who qualifies for food share. So anyone who qualifies for food share in our greater Milwaukee area um, is eligible for this access pass. Now, we get to how do you, it's possible that you um, might be unbanked. You know, and anybody can be unbanked, but bike share is built on plastic. You walk up to that kiosk and you 
interact with a credit card or you go online and you join as a member and you use your credit card. So one of the big um, challenges for bike share systems have been, has been cash transactions. And a lot of them are just like, well, you know, it isn't going to happen. Well, that wasn't good enough for Bubblers. So we have in place um, currently partnering with Progressive Health, which is a federally qualified healthcare facility. And uh, we have people trained at all four of their locations to, to offer the access pass to people who need to use cash. And so you're willing to serve everyone and you're going on your way to serve everyone. That's good to hear. Yep. Let's talk about your competition that uh, showed up on the scene last year. Mm-hmm. Dockless bike share. I guess they didn't show up in the end. And the scooters. How, mm. how are they different than what you're doing? Okay. You know, uh, when Bubbler started, um, bike share was the disruptor, right? We were the disruptor. Now, now Bubbler's getting disrupted. And, and that is to say the station-based um, bike share is getting disrupted by the, there's two types of dockless bikes. There's the smart, the, where the brains are on the bike and when the brains are on the phone, on your phone. Okay. And then there's a scooter. The scooters came last year, right before Summerfest, I think, and they just um, dropped, literally, on the streets. And eventually they had to leave because they are against, the, they're not allowed under state statute. Correct. So uh, their lawyers have been busy up in Madison, and there's legislation pa- uh, probably passing this week or soon to, to allow them. And as I understand it, I, the legislation is, uh, will, will give mun- local municipalities the authority to say yay, nay, or have parameters around which they can operate. So they'll be coming back. I think um, the dockless, um, they, there was a, a, some interest in, by one of the venture um, capital back companies to come into Milwaukee. They didn't pursue it. They ba- backed away. But that company's gone into scooters in a big, in a big yeah, way. Yeah, I was, I was going to point out, if you didn't, that the dockless bikes on a nationwide level, the venture capital back, it's for profit, yep. that they're disappearing in other cities. They, they didn't quite make it here in time. And now it seems in other cities they're pulling out. So that's yep. interesting to see. They are. Yeah, they're pulling out, and they're also, uh, they cause a mess. You know, I got two things to say about dockless. There's there's one exception. Um, their bikes are just are not great quality. They're inexpensive bikes, um, and they're not very comfortable. Um, people think they love them because they're flexible. Oh, I can just, t- I can leave a bike. Everybody else says, I can leave a bike wherever I want. That's true. But play that out. So I ride a bike up to River West. I go into Fuel Cafe. Um, I leave my bike outside on the sidewalk, probably blocking it, and um, I get a coffee and I come out. My bike's gone. And I call it my bike because it's a bike I rode up there. It's gone. I don't know where it is. And I'm like, ah, so I have to go to the, to the app. I have to find a phone, uh, find a, um, a bike. Well, it might be none in the area or there might be one just down the block. You, you just don't know. So there's reliability. There's reliability comes into play um, and, uh, with the stations so that I know, always know where I can find one and, and return one or more importantly, find one. Um, there's also um, order. It, I am convinced that in a city, you need to have some sort of order, whether it be stations or that the docks need to have lock to capability. Um, and they have to provide um, Bike, lo- uh, bike racks for their bikes and that they're orderly and that they're not strewn all over the place like the scooters were in Milwaukee last year. So I really do think that as, as, we, as I navigate these waters of disruption, I really do think that, um, that the, the docks of some sort will be the forever, that that, will, that model will stand. 
that said, I think introducing my money is on e-assist bikes versus the dock list. I think the e-assist bike is the future. And e-assist meaning that there's a small electric engine on the bike that gives it a boost. Yep. And Truck, thank you, Truck, has just made a wonderful one for bike share that fits into my docks with a Bosch battery on it. And they are, I've test driven it. They're wonderful. And spoiler alert, I'm going to be bringing some into the um, city for a few people to try. And Jeremy, if you're really nice to me, I'll let you ride on one. Don't, don't tell the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and see what, you, see what you think. And one thing you told me interested me, that Trek also makes a dockless bike mm-hmm. that you could have it docked and undocked and it would operate in the system. Yeah, that, that's correct. And several of my sister programs that are in our Trek system across the country, there we're one of about 50 they bought a lot of those, and they introduced them to their city. I, we, Bubbler decided to hesitate on that and just to watch the trends, and that was a hot trend. I mean, honestly, it was hard to hold back because you want to jump on whatever the latest thing is and try and really uh, stay current. But I just stepped back, and my board had to step back a little bit and really think through what is our community, how are we using the bikes now, how are we best serving the community, and what would be valuable to the community. And we decided Dockless was not where we wanted to go. Okay. So we will wait and see if that changes. But e-assist, I am intrigued. Uh, I can climb lots of hills then much easier. I just do the beauty wave up every hill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look great. <laughs> uh, and I, I want to talk about your office a bit, and then we'll talk about adaptive yeah. cycling before we got to go. You guys were the first office tenant in Grand Avenue. Now Grand Avenue is a large construction site. What's life like? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, but I love you, Tony, in the avenue. Okay. So when we when we were brought in by the um, new owner, we were the first one, and he has a vision. He has a big vision. And Bubbler was a part of that. And now that I see his vision playing out, I can see how we fit in. The first the first thing we telegraph, it's not business as usual down there. It's not going to be business as usual. And it's going to be amazing when it's done, and that's the hope that I keep clinging to. But we are now, yeah, I, we're unfortunately not accessible to the public. I used to have a, a bragging right that we were the only public-facing bike share program in the, in, the, in the states. And I can't say that anymore because we are now in a plywood box. They have, they've plywooded us off from the work that's going on out around us. And it has been noisy. It has been even, I've invested in headphones. Um, it is um, dusty. We had gas masks. <laughs> we did, like the construction guys. And there were some times when we had to work remotely where we just could not work in there. Our phones aren't working great. Luckily, our customer service phone has been hanging in there and working. But it's been it's been challenging. And I have to, ha- hats off to my team for keeping up their morale and keeping a sense of humor and uh, the long view that we know pretty soon, right outside our door, there's going to be this most amazing sushi and baked goods and and sliders and there will be a bar. <laughs> all right, Third Street Market all coming soon. And then let's talk a bit about adaptive cycling before we have to go to what is adaptive cycling? Okay. Um, adaptive bikes are bikes that people living with disabilities can use to enjoy bike riding. Bobbler was part of a um, stakeholder group that met for close to two years. I was involved for the better part of that with the notion of bringing adaptive bikes into bike share. Nobody does this, Jeremy. It isn't done. Truck doesn't make adaptive bikes for bike share. No company makes adaptive bikes for bike share because nobody's asking. Nobody said, I asked him, I said, why don't you? They said, because you're the only one asking, Shepardson. So it was um, a couple hurdles that we had to get over. Of course, the first thing was the will to do it and um, deciding that, yes, you're going to do it. And then it was to figure out how to do it. 
um, and what type of bikes. So we did a, uh, there was a, a big survey that went out to all the stakeholders in the community, and they landed on three types of bikes. There's a side-by-side, -side, a trike, and a hand cycle. So the, those will be the three types that will be out in this system. And where will I be able to find those? Throughout the system. Now, this is a, is a super um, interesting way that we're going to roll it out. This, the stakeholder group were uh, made up of people living with disabilities or representing people with disabilities, and they were extremely adamant about equal. Not separate and equal, but equal. So they wanted the bikes treated exactly like every other bike. So we will note on the app, however, or on, on our website, where those particular bikes are. And there's going to be the city, the city purchased as part of this program, the city purchased 17. And we will have those out in the system by the middle of June. All right. Well, if you want to learn more about that or anything with Bubbler Bikes, it is bubblerbikes.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening.